This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're talking about how to live well with your money in episode number 178. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, ladies. It is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am happy to be here with y'all today. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that I got several requests for from podcast listeners, and I'm happy to be able to finally bring it to you, and that is money, specifically living well on a budget. And I have been doing, I guess this is a disclaimer, I have been doing a lot of work uh, on my own on my mindset around money and shifting my mindset around money as, you know, the only person who's taking care of, I've still got six small and not so small people still at home with me and two uh, that are out of the house and, but still need some varying levels of support, you know, so I've got eight kids, six of whom who are still at home and it's just me uh, paying the bills and that, that can bring a significant amount of stress, especially since naturalbirthandbabycare.com is my source of revenue and due to all the trauma in the family I didn't do much work on it for a couple of years and you know when you don't work on a business for a couple of years it doesn't make money so I'm still in the process of rebuilding so the the thought of budgeting and money and making ends meet and all of that sort of stuff is really on my mind and on my heart Having said that, one of the things that I'm trying to do is really shift my perspectives and relationship around money. I'm a really analytical person, and I've kept the books for my family basically, you know, since I embarked upon adulthood. I've always been the one who's done the books. Uh, And so I'm not frivolous or careless with my money, but I do feel like there are things I want to change. So as I record this episode for you and give you thoughts and share things with you, I might also share things with you from my own journey of shifting my relationship with money. And there are many, many, many different perspectives and beliefs about money available to us. There are in the world, people think about money in different ways. So anything is available to you. I'm just going to share with you both practical strategies and thoughts for me. And you'll probably also hear me talk about some of how I'm trying to shift. And that is something you could be open to or have available to you as well, or something that you can choose to say, yeah, never mind. So with that, let's jump in. And I'm going to start with something that I've been working on in in my own relationship with money and the money that comes in. So we, as as of the time that I'm recording this, we don't have like just bukus of money coming in every month. I have to make sure that I spend that money with intentionality or steward that money well, which is a way that I like thinking about it. But one of the things that I have really tried to let go of is fear. Because there's a lot of fear around money. And I suspect if you're listening to a podcast, I mean, you might just be listening to this because you listen to all the episodes, but if you're listening to this podcast thinking, oh, Kristen's going to talk about making ends meet or living well on a budget or whatever, I need to listen to that because we don't have much money. You are probably familiar with fear, that fear that there's not going to be enough, fear of crushing bills, be they medical bills, uh, student loans, debt of any kind. And guilt. There can be guilt with that. Like that's something that I have really had to wrestle with. Like it's been a year long saga for me, which is crazy to say as I'm recording this. Oh my gosh, it's hard to believe. But it was just over a year ago, about a year and two or three weeks ago, that my minivan broke down while I was driving it down the road and I had a friend who was able to tow it to the mechanic and get me home and fortunately I had the big van at home because like I said I have a bunch of children so we have a passenger van as well essentially a church bus which I'm hoping to be able to sell soon because I've had my um my uh bigger boy move out but anyways my minivan broke down so I had this gas guzzling passenger van at home so I wasn't left without a vehicle 
which I'm so grateful for. But I called my mechanic and he told me that he had gotten the minivan running, but he, he wasn't completely sure what was going on with it. Something with the electrical system and he had gone over it basically with a fine tooth comb, checked everything he could, and it would run most of the time, but still spontaneously stop here and there and blow a fuse, and he couldn't figure out why that fl- fuse kept blowing. So his recommendation to me, and he's been my mechanic for years, and I trust him. He kind of knows the gist of what's gone down in the family and has been real good to me with caring for my vehicles. He looked at me and said, Kristen, I think what you need to do is you need to drive this home, put it at the end of the driveway, and stick a for sale sign on it, because I don't think that you and the kids should be in this van. And, you know, that was... That was that was the end of that van. I didn't put it at the end of the driveway right away. Um, it did limp home with a neighbor following me, and uh, but I didn't. You know, I just I didn't drive it anywhere because I didn't want to get stranded on the side of the road. And even though my mechanic gave me a Ziploc baggie full of fuses in case it did blow. Um, so long story short, that was just over a year and a month ago, and. It took me a very long time to buy another minivan because more than anything else, I was wrestling through my minivan and I realized that Dave Ramsey would probably shudder and and give me, you know, looks, disapproving looks. But if he hasn't walked a mile in my shoes, I don't know. And actually, I'm putting words in his mouth that I don't know would be there. But I went through a lot of exploration of my own sense of self-worth as I considered what van I would purchase to replace that 2003 Dodge Caravan that was 17 years old. We got many, many years. It was a good van for us. And I feel like we got many wonderful years out of that van. It was really never a problem up to that point. But, you know, when, when it died, it died. And it took me a lot of time and a lot of soul searching and a lot of wrestling with the amount of money that it would take to replace the van and whether I wanted to spend a little money and get something that was maybe a little bit newer and a little bit better or whether I wanted to spend more money. And the reason that decision was so difficult for me was because it involved a lot of my sense of self-worth and a lot of my beliefs about myself and what I was and was not worthy of like it, I, I finally got my I finally got my van replacement van in November. So I went from March to November driving around a passenger van because it really took me that long to get to the place where I said, you know what, we have been through a whole lot and I'm going to get a van that I feel confident about and that I like the way that it looks. And I love my new van. I got a Toyota Sienna. And I really love it. And I didn't buy it free and clear, which is something that I had to wrestle with. So I still owe some money on this van today. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you as we start this is because it sums up, I think, a lot of the emotion that comes with money. And that emotion is fear And that emotion is guilt and that emotion is shoulds and shouldn'ts and all that kind of stuff. So I guess I just don't believe that I can start a discussion about money anymore without talking about all of that stuff that comes up with it. It's just like when you're in a relationship, there's baggage that has to come up or there's baggage that comes up and has to be dealt with or else it can hurt the relationship. And so you're in a relationship with money as well. And there's baggage that comes up, like things that you were taught, messages that you absorbed as a child about people from your upbringing or your background or whatever can or can't have this. And even things about debt. Like, I, you know, my church, I don't know that my pastor's ever really taught on debt. But, you know, in many circles, it can almost seem like debt is a sin, And if you have debt, and and just for the record, just so that y'all know, neither a borrower or a lender be is Shakespeare, not scripture, in case any of y'all are coming from scripture, right? Though scripture does say that the borrower can be slave to the lender. 
And so I think there's something to think about there. But we also know that money, lots of money, the ability to lend money, the ability to grow money through investment, etc., etc., um, is seen throughout scripture. So in scripture, yes, money can become an idol, just like anything can become an idol. But in scripture, in general, money is looked at as a blessing and the wise stewarding of money and the growth of money is seen as a positive thing. But when we look at our own upbringings, and I don't know if you were if you were brought up in a different uh, kind of culture or background than I was, your beliefs and thoughts about money are going to be influenced by that. I talk about scripture because that's what I grew up with. But all of those things can impact you and what you think about money and how you've dealt with money, how money's come to you, how money has, how you've released money in the past, all of that comes into play with your self-worth. So I just... I I realize I could devote an entire podcast episode to this and I've already spent more time than I had intended to on this. But I guess I just want to give you that. And I want to offer you this this perspective of of let's work on the, the stuff that comes up with the money. Maybe in your journaling and stuff as you're doing other journaling. Maybe work on that stuff that comes up with money too as you're also you know, working with making sure that the money that flows in provides for your family and how you're going to do that and the money that you release or pay out. That's, I've been trying to use the word release lately rather than I have to pay the bills or, oh my gosh, I have to give this money to the power company. Instead, I'm going to release this money and know that it's going to go out. I'm grateful for what service has been provided to my family in the, in the context of like the power bill. And I also know that money is a flow. So it releases and then it comes back. Like it's, you know, you might let it go and then it's replenished. I like that imagery. And so that's what I'm playing with. And so I'm just going to give that to you. If you are open to that, then you are. So one thing that I have believed in, especially over the past four years in the wake of trauma, is that our family will be provided for, that there will be provision. And that is something that I can say that I have seen happen in some pretty miraculous ways over the last four years. There have been things that have been provided for my family, like our kitchen counters were falling apart, like literally falling apart around the sink. There was a hole like in the counter by the sink. And I have new kitchen counters. That was an amazing blessing that I was not counting on. And some other blessings here and there, like with the refrigerator. Um, and people who have donated time to help do things around the house and that sort of thing. So I didn't have to spend money. Um, our homeschool supplies have been taken care of by really unexpected blessings in some ways. So I believe that provision comes for sure. And that's something that I want to offer you when you feel that fear coming up that, oh my goodness, there's more month than there is money is believe in provision. And one of the things that I've been trying to do as I believe in provision, and again, with my own journey, with my relationship with money that I'm walking through right now, I am working on moving from that solid belief in provision, which I can say is there, to a belief in abundance. Because it would be nice to have some abundance in our life. And that's that's kind of the next level that I'm working on. But I want to encourage you you know, as you're working through what you're working on, believe in provision, that it's going to be there, that you're going to have what you need. And, and as I'm doing that belief for me in provision or in abundance is that level that I'm trying to reach abundance, even overflow is I I say, because I talk to God, it's going to be whatever resonates with you. But I talk to God and I say, God, you know, show me what my role might be, what I need to do if there's action that I need to take, essentially asking for divine inspiration. So when I'm not talking about just woo woo stuff, like, you know, I'm just going to sit here and meditate and a pile of money is going to appear in front of me. But when you believe in provision, some of the practical steps that you might take is being intentional about your spending. I think that even when I'm in a place where there's way more money coming in than my kids and I need, that I'm going to be really intentional. Because another thing that I know is as soon as I get to a place of abundance, I can already think of it. You know, Grace Community Birth Center in Haiti, they need a birth center. I want to be one of the people who helps make that happen. Um, 
You know, there are so many things. Jenny Joseph's Every Mother Counts. I would love to be a donor, a significant donor for her initiative. There are just so many things. Mercy in Action, which is uh, they're working in Indonesia and that sort of thing. Like there's so many ways that I would like to help mothers and babies with my money, aside from what I do by recording podcasts and making classes and all that stuff. So I will be intentional with my money, even when there's way more of it than the kids and I need. So what I'm saying is when I say believing in provision and that sort of thing, it doesn't mean that you have to sit and do nothing. You can still be really intentional and make sure that you steward that well, because I believe that's what we need to do. You know, we every year we get some volunteers out in the yard from seeds and things that we've planted. But if you're intentional about gardening, you get a far greater yield. And it's the same with our money. You know, we want to be intentional. So with that, Let's talk about living well on a budget, okay? So my very first tip, and this is going to be different depending on where you are in the world. Some of you are in places in the world where social programs are much more robust than they are here in the United States. And so it may not be as big of a deal for you, or there may not be the level of stigma that is associated with it often in the United States. But if you are living on a lower income right now, trying to make ends meet, and you are not opposed for some philosophical or ethical or religious reason, then I would encourage you to be willing to accept assistance in making those ends meet. I know that for me, it was a challenge for quite a while um, to be open to accepting assistance because what happened in our family and what ultimately culminated in tragedy was Scott's layoff. And then it was, at that time, my business, Natural Birth and Baby Care, was making somewhat of a part-time income. And with the loss of his income as a breadwinner, that quickly became a difficult situation. And I started working part-time as a student midwife, and that made me a little bit every month because my preceptor paid a little bit every month to her apprentices, which not all preceptors do. So I was really blessed in that. But, you know, I was making what natural birth and baby care made and what I got from doing births and also mothering seven children while pregnant with my eighth. And Scott was just in a downward spiral at that point. So there's... You know, just he wasn't contributing to the household. So it was hard for me at that time because when when my biggest kids, my big ones, were really little and were born and their dad just didn't do anything and eventually walked out on us, I had, you know, I, I did what I needed to. I got food assistance. And that sort of thing to help make ends meet. And I was really proud of myself when I didn't need that anymore. And so it was hard and humbling for me at that time when I was pregnant with Phoenix to say, okay, something's got to give. Because we just were a household of, of nine and however many quarters, you know, <laughs> nine and three quarters people. Phoenix was almost born. And we're just not making ends meet. And as much as Dave Ramsey likes to romanticize beans and rice, rice and beans, man, it was stressful. And so I did end up applying for food assistance and we did end up qualifying. And that immediately relieved so much stress for me because I could go to the grocery store and buy enough food, enough food for my children, enough food for my pregnant self. And then after everything went down, with Scott, and he was arrested and gone, I'm a single mother now, I, you know, food assistance is part of how I've been able to take care of my family. And I don't feel shame about that anymore, but I know that a lot of people feel shame about that. But I think that the programs are there for a purpose, and taxes go into paying that for a purpose. And I think even if you feel bad about something like so in the United States, it's actually SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition, I can't remember the rest of it, 
supplemental nutrition assistance program, maybe. That sounds a little redundant, so it's probably not right. But that's in the slang term or the old fashioned term is food stamps. So most people know what that is. Um, but there's another nutrition program in the United States if you are pregnant or breastfeeding or you have a child who is under the age of five. And that's WIC, which stands for Women, Infants, and Children. And instead of letting you buy whatever you want, there are particular foods that you buy, like um, milk, cheese, eggs, whole grains, vegetables, juice. And you can, in some states, swap out some of your milk for yogurt. So anyways, and beans or peanut butter. I think that the WIC program is a great program. I feel like the WIC, I know that the WIC program is based on evidence as to what actually helps have better pregnancy outcomes and better outcomes for children. The only thing that I think that we probably need less of in the WIC packages is juice, but one of the reasons the juice is in there is to help get vitamin C. So even that has an evidence base in there. And they've really done a lot with making sure that Um, Fresh and frozen fruits and veggies are more available through that program. Plus, they have those good high-quality proteins like eggs, cheese, yogurt, milk. Great high-quality proteins for mothers and babies and growing children. So I think that that program is wonderful. And, And maybe it's my perspective from where I've been, which has been a single mother for more of my mothering career than I would like. But I feel like it's very debatable, even coming from what one might say is more of a fiscally conservative background Um, I still feel like supporting mothers and children in our society is really important, especially when they find themselves in difficult situations through no fault of their own. And so I think all of that is debatable. But all of that is to say, I encourage you that if you qualify for government assistance, even if it's just food assistance, even if it's just healthcare assistance, which in the United States is way easier to get than cash assistance, like I'm... I can't even imagine trying to get cash assistance for my family. It would just be a nightmare, and I think it would be more humiliating than it's worth. But food assistance and medical assistance is not as difficult to get. And if you're in a country where those things are easier to get, or in a country where, say, like a child benefit is standard. In the United States last year in 2021, we actually had a child benefit. I didn't get any of it, but in theory, I'm going to get it with my tax return this year because the IRS messed up something for my family. But You know, many countries have child benefit all the time. And don't feel guilty about that money. Let that money be part of what you receive. And then if you're hoping to elevate past that, like I am, then you are grateful for what has helped you and also continue to see that you're going to be able to elevate past that. But don't feel guilty or resentful or anything like that because you don't want the negative emotion. You want to be grateful that it's there and also acknowledge that, okay, you know, God, universe, whatever you're going to say, I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to step past this, leave these resources for somebody else and, and, and be grateful for it in the moment while you have it. So that was a lot. Again, I've been a bit more philosophical than practical up to this point, but hopefully it's food for thought for you. So the next thing that I recommend that you do is get to know your expenses. So take some time and figure out what you are actually spending money on. Print off your bank statement. I've become a great fan of actually printing things off in this digital age. I'm totally a tech geek, y'all. So I cannot believe that I'm saying this. But I have really become a fan of printing things off because it really helps me concretely to hold a piece of paper in my hand, to use a pencil to mark all over that paper, to highlight things, to underline things, to sort things out. It just really, really, really helps me a lot. And so if if I were feeling like I have no idea where my money is going or even in a given month, if I felt like, man, I just released a lot more money and I'm just not sure where all of that went or if all of that was serving me and the kids, I would print those statements out. And figure it out. And that can actually be a good starting point, printing the statements out so that you know what you got. Because some of you may have a debit card on your checking account and a savings account, and that's what you have. But many of you probably have, you may have multiple bank accounts, you may have multiple credit cards, you may have multiple lines of credit, student loans, etc., etc. So just getting a basic idea of where do I stand right now? What do I have open? What has a balance on it? And what is the balance of my bank accounts? And where is my money going? Just getting a feel for that is really empowering. It doesn't mean that you're scared of releasing money or spending money. It means that you want, again, to live with that intentionality, to know what your money is going to. 
And it doesn't mean that you're going to be really anxious over this and pinch every penny like Ebenezer Scrooge, like I've got a picture of Scrooge McDuck in my head right now. But it does mean that you want to be aware and intentional. And if you look and realize, you know, that you're paying for Disney Plus and ESPN and Netflix and HBO Max and all of these other streaming services and you're like, gosh, you know, we probably don't need that very much. I canceled our Netflix subscription some months back more because I'm opposed to some of the content that they've put out that to me feels a little bit like it's exploiting children than a company should do. But, you know, since I did that, we've reserved movies from the library (laughs) and I don't have to pay for them. You know, they're, they're just there. So that's worked well for us. So you may look at something like that and go, you know what? I don't know that this is really serving me. Or this is really helping. And you may be able to let something go. And so especially look at subscriptions, right? Look at subscription payments. But look at that and decide, is this serving me or not? And if you find that you shop for emotional reasons, that might be something that you want to work through on your own too. I don't tend to shop for emotional reasons. I think my money issues are much more with being unable to release money than they are with releasing too much. Um, you know, my dad was here in the fall and he like, he, he was here for like three weeks and he had to work on me for like all three weeks to get me to spend a little bit of money on myself. Though he finally triumphed. Um, and I'm very pleased with it. He, he got me to buy an Apple watch that I love. So there we go. Um, it has made my quality of life better. I can say that. But, you know, that felt like a splurge for me. But I don't want to go down another rabbit trail. What I want you to do is just to realize that this is where my money is going. And also if it highlights anything for you, like I, you know, I do tend to spend emotionally. And can you start to think of some things that may be able to help you feel good that may not cost as much money, like walking the dog or playing with the kids or getting movies from the library or getting books. I I tell myself, man, I've. I'm so grateful for the library because I I check out so many books from the library and I don't always read them because sometimes life is just too much. Uh, but it's nice to skim them and have them in my hands and look at them and decide, okay, I might come back to this book in the future. But I always think that I'm really glad that I have the library because I would probably be struggling with some guilt, you know, if I had these 200 books standing in stacks on my bedroom floor. And I haven't managed to read them yet, but I had actually paid like, you know, 15 or 20 bucks a pop. So that sort of thing, like I'm a book junkie, right? So if you realize that you have some spending, are there alternatives that could let you enjoy that, um, you know, without that level of spending? So this is just kind of an exercise in awareness and being aware and also being willing to look at your money without fear, like not dreading doing the books, so to speak, not dreading looking at your money and your spending. It's really starting to teach yourself that this is a good time, that this is a special time because money is your friend. Money allows you to provide for yourself and your kids and it allows you to uh, do some fun things. And so this time when you're with your money, when you're looking at your money, isn't a time to be resentful or fearful. It's a time to be grateful. And it may be a time to pray in and say, you know what, Lord, I need this provision. So um, I don't think I've said it on the podcast yet, but I've said it on a video. So we've got some special needs diagnoses in, in the family for some of my kids at this point. And I think that some of it, Um, especially one of my kiddos is going to benefit from some therapy. And so instead of saying, you know what, I'm scared because I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Instead, I'm saying, you know what, Lord, we have this need. You know that this need is here. And I believe that this need is met. And I can say that in some ways maybe easier than you can because, again, my life has been an incredible crisis for the past four years. And I have seen ways that provision has come. And so, but I just encourage you to start believing, you know, believe that that provision is going to come and that that overflow is going to come, that there's not just going to be provision for that therapy, but there's also going to be provision and overflow that allows me to, you know, maybe get some of the sensory toys and things that I would like to get. It's just a different way of being and approaching and a, a way of holding hope when you look at your budget. And again, I know this is this is more philosophical or mindset even than it is practical, but I do hope that it serves you and it's where I'm at right now. So you might get a totally different podcast six months from now when I talk about money, but it's at where where I am right now. And I hope that it speaks to you where you are right now. So the next practical tip is to create a budget. 
I'm really a fan of budgeting software. I use YNAB, which is you need a budget. I know there are many, 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 many options out there now. I have used YNAB for well over 10 years because it's been since before I moved to the house that I'm in now, which I've been in for 10 years, which is crazy. Um, and so that's the software that I use. I really like it. I feel like it just continues to get better and better. Um, but you can use whatever you want. You know, I've noticed that even my bank has a dashboard that's gotten a bit more, uh, you know, it's a pretty decent dashboard to look at. I like, I like peeking at it, but again, I'm learning to make friends with my money and not be scared of it. So I like peeking at it, but I know that what it suggests for budget amounts and that sort of thing is, you know, that might not be what I've done because my budgeting is in YNAB. So I recommend that you use whatever software you like. I think Dave Ramsey's is Every Dollar Counts. There's Mint. There are all kinds of different options. So you can look at them and see what works well for you. But YNAB is what works for me. And I, some of the ways that I organize my budget are based on some of the principles that YNAB teaches. Because not only is it a software, but they also have a lot to help you learn the basics of managing your money. And at some point, I went through one of their courses that talked about how to set up budget categories and such. And so I, I have my budget set up that way. So I, I have, you can have categories and they can be basically in, in kind of subsections. So I have a subsection that's things that must be paid. Those budget categories would be things like the electric bill, right? Has to be paid every month. And then there are categories that are things that are, I can't remember exactly what I have the categories named and I probably should have brought it up on my computer before I started talking about it. Um, but there's another section that's like basically household needs, but it's not its not like a fixed expense or like a big thing like the electric bill. Like um, I have electric bill, life insurance, garbage bill, those sorts of things are all in that. Oh, I okay, so it's called immediate obligations is my, is that top category. So electric, gasoline, garbage, those sorts of things are in there. And then uh, car payment is in there. And then true expenses is the next category group. And that has my household needs category, which is kind of my catch-all, right? And then homeschool ex extracurricular, clothing and shoe, all those sorts of things like groceries, insurances, all of those things. So these are things that need to be paid, right? But they may not necessarily be fixed. And there are things that you could also shave off on. Like, I, you know, the electric company probably wouldn't be happy if I decided to pay only 50% of the bill. But if I needed to take some money off of my household category, for example, wanting to buy a nice birthday present for a kid or something, I might take some of that money from the household category and allocate it, allocate it to the gift category. Um, and then my final grouping is play. And that's like eating out, entertainment, and then my play money because I try and give myself a little bit of money every month that I can splurge on a book for myself or something if I want to because I think that it helps us to stick with our budgets a little bit better if we're having some level of fun with our money, even if it's just a little bit. So that's my budget. You don't have to do it like mine. But what I'm saying is, is having a budget and having software can help you visualize how you're spending your money and can help you organize and, and spend with intentionality. So the reason why I told you about those big groups is because what I want you to do is look at the things that are things that must be paid, like electric, rent, car payments, um, if you owe on debt, and you have like a like a student loan payment that must be the same every month. Those are things that you want to look at. And then you're going to look at additional big needs that may be flexible but are still needs. Like food, clothing, that sort of thing. Um, I put insurance payments in here because... I'm, I, don't, I don't pay any of my insurances on a monthly basis. They're all either annual or every six-month payments, depending on the insurance. So I'm like saving up a little bit every month. And so if I really needed to, I could wiggle a little bit on those. But you, you don't want to do that too much or you'll get hurt at the end of the year when you need to make a payment. But so that, that helps. And then there's the, the leftover category, which is generally our fun categories, so that helps you, again, you've gotten an idea of what you're spending on and what you need to spend on. And then you can look at these other things and figure, look at everything and figure out, like, where does it fit? Like I said, I don't have a cable bill. I don't have, like, a Netflix or streaming service bill or anything because the library is good for us, right? 
So you may be able to look at your things and go, you know what, this would fit in this category, but I don't know that I really need it. I don't know that I really need to have this category. And I try not to have, you can get really granular. Um, At one time I was really granular, like I had like cleaning supplies and um, toiletries and, you know, sheets and blankets and stuff like, you know, linens maybe. I had that level of granularity in my budget and I don't now. Like I have household needs and basically if it's a householdish type thing, paper towels, sheets, somebody needs a new pillow, it all goes in there. I have clothing and shoes as one category. Somebody needs new sandals, somebody needs swimsuit, I need a new bra, somebody needs this or that or the other, it all goes in that clothing category, right? Um, And then all gifts throughout the year. Like I don't have a family gifts and an extended family gifts and that kind of thing at all. It all goes into one gift giving category. So again, and like any homeschool supplies go in like my my boy Brennan, uh, my 16 year old is really into economics. So we have a student subscription to the Wall Street Journal that goes in homeschooling, right? So it's just it's just easier for me to kind of have these larger categories that kind of represent what I need to take care of the home. I do have a separate home maintenance category from household categories just because I guess for me it's like I go to Lowe's or Home Depot for that sort of thing and that's like hardware kind of stuff. Um, And then, you know, I go to Walmart for paper towels or Sam's actually is where I go for paper towels. So I do have a separate home maintenance category because that could also have like my dishwasher which has been in a state of disrepair for eons at this point waiting on parts, but that would go in the home maintenance category. The repairman will go in the home maintenance category. So anyways, those are just some examples from my family and my budget that hopefully help you. Um, so again, get to know your expenses, create a budget, just really get to know it. Even if you need to just track for a couple of months to get a feel for where your money's going, I encourage you to set up the budget software now and start categorizing. And again, no guilt. Don't have guilt. You can say, you know what? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that we're throwing this much money at streaming services. I'm picking on streaming services. I can't believe we're throwing this much money down the toilet on streaming services. Don't feel guilty. Just say, gosh, we spent a lot of money on that. We're going to choose not to do that anymore. And just let it go. Make a clean break. Don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> just make a clean break. Go forward. Okay? Um, and, it, and also, if you realize, gosh, I don't ever allow myself even have, you know, a bar of chocolate. I need to give myself a little bit of money. I can't believe that, you know, Kristen said that I need to help give myself a little bit. And I'm not doing that. You'll beat yourself up over not taking care of yourself. Don't do that either. Just say I'm going to allocate five bucks a month to get two nice bars of chocolate, okay? So what I'm saying is I just want you to be aware and watch. You may need to watch the budget software and categorize and just be aware. And then you can start to make changes. And you can kind of shuffle and revamp the budget to figure out what works for you, like more versus less granularity. I know some people really don't like budgeting, and so they're like, I'm just going to manifest the amount of money money I need every month that I don't have to worry about it. And I don't, again, I just don't think that's ever going to be me because I'm really analytical. But, you know, I like having those bigger pools in my budget where I don't really have to worry about too much micro-analyzing what goes where. Uh, another tip is, you know, never say never to, or never say no to hand-me-downs. We get so many hand-me-downs because I think part of it is I have a bunch of kids and people give us a lot of hand-me-downs and also I will end up getting food periodically. Like people will be like, oh, we have all these canned goods. Do you want them? And I rarely say no to that either. If you have food allergies and food sensitivities in your house, you might. But I usually say yes to hand-me-downs. I usually say yes to canned goods or food or whatever. And I'm usually grateful for those things. With hand-me-downs, I feel no guilt whatsoever about going through the bag and keeping three outfits and putting the rest in the back of my van and taking it to Goodwill. So accepting hand-me-downs doesn't mean that you have to keep everything, that your kids have to wear everything. And for the most part, people are usually like, just take what you want and then pass the rest along. Sometimes they'll say, give it back. You know, they'll say, give me back what you don't want. Um, But for the most part, I've found that people are just like, you know, let go whatever you don't want. And I'm okay with that. So we've gotten some great clothes. I've let some clothes go that I just didn't really like. I'm not a huge fan of lots of characters on my kids' clothing. So usually if we get hand-me-downs with lots of characters, those things go away. We have character underwear and character jammies and that's it. 
So those things go away. And then, you know, I have some levels of modesty standards and stuff for my kids. And sometimes I feel like, especially girls' clothes, don't match with that. So those things will go. But we have gotten a lot of clothes. You know, it's actually pretty rare for me to have to buy clothes for the kids until they get bigger. And at that point, they're usually to where they can start buying their own clothes because they realize that if they want to buy really expensive brands, that they can go ahead and do that because my money just isn't available for teenage fashion fads. So anyways, and that's another thing with like kids and stuff. People will say, oh, kids are so expensive. And there's some truth to that. I think that there's some worth in in investing in things that are really going to serve you well. Like, for example, a baby carrier is not an inexpensive thing, but it is an investment. Like our Ergo baby carriers got used so very much. They were worth it. And I still have them hanging around on the off chance that, you know, maybe I'll need one one day helping with a grandbaby or something. And they'll probably still be great. So, you know, those things, um, there is some expense there. But on the whole, kids just don't have to be as expensive as people make it out to be. Like, we've never been huge, huge gift givers for our kids. Like, I've just, you know, I I choose their gifts really intentionally. Um, In the past couple of years, we have gotten help with holiday gifts, which I've really appreciated. Because it's allowed me, like, for example, my big boy, um, Brennan, got, got him a weight bench for the holidays. And that, you know, that was a bigger expense. And I had some help for that, which was a huge blessing. Um, and it also blesses me too, because I use the white bench. <laughs> but especially little kids, you know, they just don't know. And they can be really content without a whole lot. And I think it, it gives room for their imagination as well. Uh, probably our biggest expense for the kids has been homeschool curriculum. And that was a significant part of the budget every year. Like I said, the past few years, I've been really blessed to have help with that. But those are things that you'll, you know, you'll think about and also think about what could you do. Like one thing is you, the curriculum that we use for homeschool, Ambleside Online, which we switched to lately, probably would have saved us a lot of money in the beginning when I was using a bit more of a traditional textbook style curriculum. Switched to Ambleside Online. Most of the materials for Ambleside Online are books. And... So you can get those books a lot of times for pennies on the dollar by buying them from a used bookstore or like from Amazon or thrift books or something, buying used copies of them. And um, it it can still add up when you're buying for like six kids homeschooled, but especially if you just had one or two and just bought what they needed used every year, your homeschooling costs would be less. So there are ways to be smart with your money. Um, But, you know, say yes to hand-me-downs. Say yes when people offer you clothes and food. And if those things aren't coming in, you know, there's secondhand stores and all those places can be places that are available to you and able to serve you for the place that you are now. So I I was frustrated because I didn't have any jeans that fit me right. I don't wear tons of jeans anyways. I wear skirts most of the time, but I want a pair of jeans that fit me. So I had a pair of jeans that I loved and I wore them until they were pretty much worn out. So I went to get a pair of jeans this, like just before the holidays. And I was in a rush and, you know, looking around the thrift shop, found a pair of jeans that seemed to fit okay in the fitting room. But when I got home, I realized that they were just really pretty much too big. And I dealt with those jeans for quite a while until finally I decided, okay, I'm going to go get a pair of jeans that fits. And I found a beautiful pair of jeans, brand new jeans that, uh, look brand new at least that fit me great they look good on me and they're Ralph Lauren jeans so I know that when those things came off the rack they probably cost a lot of money I didn't pay that much money for them so you if if you know especially what you want it can help you things that can help you with clothing purchases uh, is looking into say a concept of like a capsule wardrobe where you know or outfit formulas Allison is the woman who does outfit formulas. I'm sure if you type it in, you can find it. I don't have an affiliate link or anything right now. Maybe I should see if she's got one. But I love her a lot. Um, I love the outfit formulas concept. I got an outfit formulas book with an ultimate bundle at some point. Maybe an ultimate homemaking bundle or something at some point. And I just really fell in love with the concept. It works well with my brain. And it, it, it focuses on that capsule wardrobe or curated closet kind of concept and that's something that may can help you if you're like I go to the store and I just buy stuff willy-nilly like especially clothing is having 
that concept and knowing like shop your closet first is, is the first tenant for any of the capsule wardrobe concepts. And then add pieces with intentionality. And when you're doing that, when you're adding pieces with intentionality, you can often be choosy when you shop. So even if you're shopping at a thrift shop or secondhand or at a consignment shop, you're going to be able to find pieces that are really good quality. Another good resource that I've used, again, I don't have an affiliate link, but I've really liked Poshmark when I know exactly what I want. I can go in there and I can find what I need. Like what I needed uh, a few years ago, going to court a lot, and I wanted a really nice wool navy wool blazer that looked kind of like something that Kate Middleton would wear. And I found, again, it was a Ralph Lauren one, apparently I'm a fan, but I found this blazer on Poshmark that was probably hundreds of dollars new. I didn't pay anywhere near that. And it looked really snazzy when I was going through the most difficult time of my life. And that really helped a lot. So these are ideas for shopping. You know, when you're grocery shopping, try and avoid buying a whole bunch of pre-packaged processed foods. You probably don't want to feed those to your kids anyways. One thing I would encourage you if you're feeling really overwhelmed with your life is invest in... Uh, a meal plan, I can actually make a recommendation. Again, I, I'm i going to have to go back and listen to this episode because I've mentioned so many things. Um, but there's a mom that I have followed some makingfrugalfun.com as her website. I just had to look it up to make sure I was getting it right for y'all. Um, she has like a, a meal plan that is already done and it's not gluten-free or anything, and it doesn't even necessarily use super crunchy foods, but it's a lot of from-scratch stuff. It's really budget-friendly, really easy to use, and but there's a bazillion meal plan services out there. I'm just making a particular recommendation for you guys because it's something that this is actually the meal plan that helped me pull out of we're eating only processed foods because we're going through crisis rut. Using, I think her name's Shannon, using Shannon's meal plan was so helpful for me, and the food is good. My kids like most of it. So that was really helpful. Um, and just having that can help you shop with more intention and help you, you know, when you're releasing money, make sure it's what you want to release it for. Like you don't want to go to the store and buy Coca-Cola and all kinds of pre-processed, pre-packaged, yucky garbage that you don't want to feed your kid anyways and you pay a lot more for than what you would pay for good basic ingredients, fresh fruits and veggies for snacks and that sort of thing. So the, these are particular tips to help with with shopping in particular areas, like particular budget categories, so to speak. I'm just trying to make sure that I make a note of what I've mentioned for you guys that are um, things that you can get online. So those are things that can really help. And then as far as what your children are really going to treasure. And of course, you can do things like yard sailing in the summer. That's a great way to get toys and stuff for your kids too, especially when they're little and they don't care uh, where the toys have come from. One of my favorite strategies for toys is like, is I tend to choose toys that when people ask for gifts, I can ask for the same toy and it can just get added like Legos or magnet tiles or Duplos or Lincoln Logs or that sort of thing. Um, And those are the kinds of things you can often find at yard sales and stuff too. So that's another thing to do. It's not yard sale season right now. I'm not, I've never been a big yard sailor either. Um, I've got family members that are and a neighbor who loves doing it too. So they'll ask, like she, she found most of my kids winter boots yard sailing, which was pretty cool. But anyways, what I want you to think about is just, there are ways that you can save. But another thing that I want you to realize is that what matters to your kids, especially when they're young, is times with you and the things that they're really going to remember is probably not the things that they're given, but the experiences that y'all have. And there are lots and lots of experiences and activities as a family that you can do that are low or no cost. I think one thing that's really helpful for me is to focus on the rhythm of the year. And that's going to look different for you based on where you are in the world and also what is your faith background because it's often based on that. But seasons, of course, are something that is true for everybody. Like the seasons of the year is something that you can focus on and creating traditions and rituals in your family that revolve around those seasons. And then in your country around patriotic holidays, so I'm in the United States. So Thanksgiving and the 4th of July are really big fun things for us. And then also on your faith background. So that could be, you know, Christmas or 
uh, Passover or Sukkot or Hanukkah or whatever, um, those are going to be based on that faith background. But those things can create really strong traditions that don't necessarily have anything to do with giving gifts. Obviously, things around December, usually people associate those with gifts, but it doesn't have to be the, the biggest thing. So there, my kids really, really, really look forward to holidays throughout the year. We celebrate the holidays in the whole Old Testament. So, you know, we generally pay attention to the Jewish holiday calendar. And my kids really look forward to that. Like as I'm recording this, they're really looking forward to Passover. And that is going to involve some food, but it doesn't involve a lot of expense, really. But it's something that they look forward to and it's, it's memories for them. Um, also focus on home activities that you love. My kids and I love cooking and my kids love baking. I like doing some baking, but they really like baking. So I, I will let them bake cookies and cakes and things like that, but they like a lot of stuff like that. So those are things that you can look at with them. Read alouds. My kids love read alouds or audiobooks. We listen to a lot of, of children's classics on LibriVox, which is a free audiobook service. It has guest recorders, and there are some narrators that are great and some narrators that aren't quite so great, but usually it's a win and it's a lot of fun. So we'll sometimes listen to audiobooks at the dining room table, and we do a lot of read alouds as a family. Again, the getting things like movies from the library. If you have a movie night once a week, you can get your movie from the library. Uh, and most libraries have a wide selection. And some of them, like in Michigan, we can get a movie that's basically at any library in the state. So even some of the older movies that were my favorites when I was a child, I've been able to get those to share with my kids. Like a funny one, given the topic of this podcast, is the Richie Rich with Macaulay Culkin that came out when I was a kid. I was able to share that with them recently, and they really loved it because some library in Michigan had. So it was able to come into my library. It was really beautiful and fun. So focus on outings too that are great, especially as I'm recording this, we're going into the time of year where there's more sun and more fun. We're blessed to live in an area where there are lots of public beaches. We spent a lot of time being beach rats last summer, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, We went to some, there are so many beaches up here because I'm in Michigan um, on the bay. And there are so many beaches up here that there are quiet ones that that don't have a lot of tourists. And so we just had a lot of fun. But there are so many things that you can do. There are hikes that you can take. There are beaches that you can go to. There are probably nature preserves all around you. There, There's a lot of things that you can do for fun that are low to no cost. Parks and playgrounds that you can go to. My kids even just enjoy kicking around town and visiting playgrounds. In the summertime, usually school playgrounds are open to the public. And even we even have a private school that has a really nice playground that when it's not school hours, it's also open to the public. And so it's just a lot of fun to explore. Libraries are great places to go. Many museums have open hours. There are often nature centers that you can go to and just tour at low or no cost. So there are many, 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 many things that you can do and many places that you can go. And even if you're in an area like say that you don't have, um, you don't have a car, see what you can find in your neighborhood and things that you can do in your neighborhood and adventures that you can have. There are lots of books, again, from the library that can help you figure out how to create those enriching things. I think that if we were at a place where we didn't have a car to get around or where we needed to minimize the use of our car, I would probably spend some time exploring a lot of really great books that focus on adventures, epic adventures. Like I'm thinking like Lord of the Rings and Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and those kinds of things that your kids can just really get involved in and enchanted with. Even reading stories from history, like children's adaptation of much of history can be a lot of fun to see your kids going out there and playing at these, you know, reenacting these scenes from history. So Galen right now is studying ancient Rome. And so my kids were all dressed up in, in sheets made into togas the other day. And that was a lot of fun. So, you know, those are memories that they're going to have. They probably won't remember what they got for the holidays last year when they're grown up, but they will remember dressing up in sheets and togas, you know, dressing up in their little bedsheet togas. They will remember that. So that's the kind of thing to keep in mind. And create a culture that doesn't focus on consumer cues. I think even if you are living in a state of abundance and overflow, you know, you don't necessarily have to focus on a culture that is really, um, you know, that is really consumer oriented. Instead, focus on having what you need and being grateful for it and being great, you know, having that state of gratitude and living in that place of gratitude, but really instead focus on 
that togetherness, being together, those adventures that you can seek. And, you know, that mindset around money, that the provision is there, that the abundance is there, that the overflow is there, but that it's also giving and being part of a community. And I don't necessarily like the term giving back, but I do believe that being part of a community and being part of humanity means that we use what we have, our time, our love, our money, and we're able to serve other humans with that. And that's the kind of culture that you want your kids to grow up in. And just that that fun and that warmth of a family that does revolve around the seasons of the year and traditions and times together and fun adventures and adventures in giving time or money or whatever. That's Think about, I, I talk about it a lot. <clears throat> Be intentional with the way that you raise your children, the atmosphere that you raise them in. And it doesn't necessarily have to really focus on those consumer cues. I think in a lot of ways, my kids, I'm lucky with my kids in that they're homeschooled, which is a choice, you know, that has many benefits, but they don't see some of the consumer gotta buy, gotta keep up with the Joneses kind of attitude that that may be more prevalent in a school setting. But if you think about that, that they're meeting and think about how you can talk about that and and talk about money not in a negative kind of Scrooge McDuck or fear kind of way to them, but in that, in that like, not, I'm not going to buy that toy because we can't afford it. But you know what? I'm just not, you know, I'm not available, like with my teenager's clothes, I'm not available for those purchases right now. You know, our money's just not available for those purchases. It's got other purposes. <laughs> and I don't know that kids need to know the deep, dark details of your budget, but financial literacy and, and this basic mindset stuff and that sort of thing is stuff that can come in and they can start realizing, you know what, mom prizes quality. She's not going to buy that crap toy at Walmart because it's going to break. And you know what? So she's going to be more intentional with her spending. And that might end up with a nicer toy later down the line or whatever. Or it might end up, you know, that we're not going to buy that crap toy at Walmart because we're going to go and you know, visit this museum or whatever instead. And that's just going to be much more fun and have great enduring memories. And you're going to be playing out scenes that you saw in the museum for the next six weeks. So anyways, these are, you know, the way that you think about money, the way that you think about other people's money. That's another thing I'll maybe leave you with is when you think about people who have more money than you, don't don't resent them or how they spend their money because that's their deal. And if you have a problem with how they're spending their money, that's fine. You have a problem with how they're spending their money. You don't have a problem with their money. What I want to encourage you is that, you know, you're in a relationship with money. So like if you were trying, you know, say that you're dating and you're trying to attract a man, right? You want this man to come and pay attention to you. You're not going to talk about him behind his back about all the stuff that you don't like about him because when that gets back to him, he's going to be like, okay, well... You know, I'm not going to try and approach her. So it's the same with money. Like, you're not going to badmouth money just because it happens to be with somebody who's not spending it in a wise way. Money is an impartial force in our universe, right? It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Like, it's, I don't know that it's ever really neutral because people aren't neutral. But so you can say, oh, you know what? I want to spend my money this way. But don't necessarily badmouth. Like, even if you see somebody who's spending money in a way that you think it's frivolous, like we often look at these people who have a whole lot of money and think, oh my gosh, they're on a yacht. But, you know, how many children's hospitals did they build in the last year with their money? That's something else to think about. And so I think that it's just important that as we're opening our minds to money, that we don't necessarily be resentful of money. We don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be guilty. We don't want to be resentful. We don't want to be judgy. We just want to let money serve us and we want to use money as a tool that we use to serve other people and we want to be conscious and intentional with our money. So I know I have been talking for a really long time. This episode is way longer than I was anticipating, but I hope that it will be helpful to you. I'm going to try and remember all of the resources that I've mentioned in this episode and get them in the show notes. But if there is something that is not there, feel free to shoot me an email. If you want more from me about pregnancy, birth babies, about life and mothering in general, just managing everything, head over to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. You can sign up for the newsletter then. That is a resource related to birth, but it will get you on the newsletter list so that you will get all the podcasts we're going to be talking 
talking about a lot of mommy mothering topics over the next few weeks that will be helpful for you. You can also join the Facebook group where we have great conversations with moms going on. Head over to naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash group for that. Naturalbirthandbabycare.com slash group and that will get you a place to apply to be in the Facebook group. I do have you apply because it's a private group for mommies only so I kind of vet everybody when they're first coming in. But then it's there. We have a lot of members. The group has been really growing. It's a lot of fun and I'm in there pretty much every day too. So with that, I want to bless you. I want to bless you financially. I want to bless you and your little ones and your life and your family and the beautiful culture that you are creating as a conscious and intentional mom. Remember that you are beautiful. You are worthwhile and you can trust yourself and believe in yourself and you can totally do this because you are an amazing rock star mama. Many, many blessings this week and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.